All right. Thank you very much, worship team. Praise the Lord. Man. They look good with the background of Christmas there and all that kind of stuff. Praise God. The joy of the Lord is this month's uh, value, joy. And we have a value statement. There's a bit of ring in this one, too, if you can get rid of that. Turn on, mute everything on the stage. Just mute the stage. There's a button there that says mute stage. You got it. All right. Now I should be good. I'll bet you my other mic will work now, too. Let's try it. I'll bet you it will. Test one, two. See? Pastor and sound guy all wrapped up in one. Video, everything. I told you what button to push, didn't I? Come on now. (laughs) Yeah, just don't invite me to do your plumbing. I'm a terrible plumber. I can confess that right now. Uh, Every piece of plumbing I think I've ever done leaks, and that's not a good thing. And that's why I don't like plumbing. Because, you know, in the plumbing world, you can have a leak and it still kind of works, right? If you have a leak in the electrical world, it's called a short and it pops the breaker and it doesn't. That's why I like the electricity thing. Much easier. No such thing as a leak. It either works or it don't. You know what I'm saying? But in this plumbing thing, you can be just drip, drip, dripping away, ruining your whole house. And it's, you know, and, and you don't even know it. It's terrible. Anyway, I don't do plumbing. So don't ever invite me over. If you have a plumbing problem, right? Call the walls. Don't, don't call me. All right. I'm not the guy. I am not the guy. Uh, you know, when we came up with this 12 years ago, this list, we, had a, uh, uh, we have for each value, we have a statement, right? A value statement. And I love our statement for this month. It is celebrate life. It's contagious, right? Amen. Come on, Barry. Celebrate life. It's contagious. Even when you're pouring coffee all over yourself, Barry, it is worth celebrating, isn't it? Come on, man. And uh, John 15, 11 is actually our, our, we call our memory verse for this month. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full or be complete, as it says in the King James. Amen. That it may be full or complete. You know, I want to start off today by telling you a story from the news this past week. Can I do that? I'm going to share a news story. And uh, Jeff Bezos, everybody know who Jeff is? He is the founder and CEO of Amazon and also the, uh, you know, guy who battles with, uh, you know, um, Elon Musk for who's the richest guy in the world. Right now, I think Elon sent Jeff Bezos uh, a silver medal a few weeks ago, didn't he? Because he passed Jeff again, so he sent him a, a silver medal in the mail or something like that. Anyway, so Jeff Bezos is the founder of Amazon, and like I said, he he's he's either the richest guy or the second richest guy in the world at any given moment. And uh, recently he attended, I think it was just last week, a gala uh, that was called for a charity called Baby to Baby, which was started by uh, Kobe Bryant's widow. And so he was there. He accepted the invitation. He was there. And people were making their pledges and all that kind of stuff. And when someone finally pledged in the room, pledged a million dollars, then Jeff Bezos put his pledge in, and he pledged $500,000. And when he did, there was an audible gasp, the author of a news article I was reading said, that went up in the room. And, and you know, $500,000 is certainly a significant amount of money. But why did people seem, just go, <gasps> like when he gave $500,000? And it's not because, I don't think, it's not because the richest man in the room, right, just gave less than 
the largest pledge in the room. But it's likely because, are you ready for this? For Jeff Bezos to give $500,000 to a charity represents 0.000001% of his net worth. That would be the same as you and I attending the gala and giving 30 cents. To put it in perspective, if you're having a hard time grasping just how wealthy the man is. You know, the Bible says, to whom much is given, much shall be required. And, and I don't believe that that just goes for talents or abilities or skills or uh, athleticism or anything else. I believe it also applies to financial blessing and financial wealth. That I think the greatest thing that each and every one of us in North America, not just the Jeff Bezos and the Elon Musks, but every one of us is gonna have to stand for the Lord and we're gonna have to give an account for how we have used the wealth that he has given us. Because if you don't realize it or not, even if you're sitting here today and you, you know, you're, you're, you're feeling kind of discouraged and you, you've just lost your job and maybe you're on EI or, or you're on some kind of assistance or whatever, and you say, man, there's so many people in this room way better off than me, and that is true, but you still represent the richest 5% in the world. Even if you are, are sitting and feeling like I'm only making, you know, I only have like, $20,000 or $25,000 a year. That's probably three or four times what families make in many parts of the world in a year. And, you know, one of the reasons I encourage international missions and I encourage people to take trips and to go is, is not because, you know, you go and you do a much better job at serving the people in those countries than the missionaries who've committed their life to it do. No. The reality is, you know, we go and we help them out, but guess what? We're there for two weeks and then we're gone and they keep doing the work, right? The reason I encourage people to go is because it changes your worldview. It changes you into somebody who sees that I live like most of the world does not live. And there is a responsibility attached to that for me to become a world Christian, somebody who invests in helping to change the world. And for most of church history, the church of Jesus Christ has caught that vision, sees it, and does extremely well with it. Uh, as somebody who's been to 22 different nations of the world, myself, and, and have preached the gospel in probably 15 to 17 of those, and have ministered and helped build schools and, and build homes and uh, all kinds of things in different countries, I can tell you, that of all of the NGOs that I've run into, I've only ever encountered, and it was in Haiti, I found one non-government agency worker on the ground who was not Christian. And I've run into hundreds of them. And I found one that was not Christian. He was an atheist, and he was in Haiti, and he was doing a literacy thing uh, sponsored by General Electric. And I thought that was amazing. We had quite some conversations, him and I, about the Lord. Uh, but the reality is he's the only one that I've encountered in all of my travels that was, not, that was a non-government organization, an NGO, that was, that was not Christian. The vast majority of the people reaching out uh, to change the world that are not government agencies are believers. Why? Because we have in our core a belief that God has given us a responsibility 
to change the world. Amen? And, and the, the resources God has deposited in our spirit uh, actually multiply when we put them to work for God's kingdom. See, we believe that, and we see it happening all the time, so we're willing to step out and to do that. We understand that, that our finances, just like joy, spread and multiply when you, you actually you know, spread it broadcast around and use it to bless other people. So, uh, this year, we're going to be talking and starting off our whole joy by me today talking about the joy of giving. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And when we live with this kind of joy, especially in the area of giving, man, the world takes notice. And they will stand up and say, wow, that is awesome. Now, this is the most wonderful time of the year. How many think this is the most wonderful time of the year? Let me see your hands, okay? For the rest of you, I'll pray for you, all right? We'll come up here, have an altar time afterwards. We'll break off the spirit of humbug, and we will get you in a place where you, you need to be because this is the most awesome time of the year. Hallelujah. And, uh, it's, and, and it's mainly that because we celebrate the greatest gift that was given, the gift of Jesus Christ, who was deposited on this earth by the Heavenly Father, who was overwhelmed with love for his creation and sent his son as the redeemer of that creation. Amen? And that is what we celebrate. But I love, I love every aspect of Christmas too. I must confess, I, I love getting together with family. I love eating turkey. My goodness, I love it. I know you want to sleep afterwards and it puts you in a coma, but I still love it. Uh, you know, I love Christmas music. I have a playlist in my car and it just plays over and over again. I think I got, I'm up to 85 songs on it right now. Mm-hmm. True, true, I love it. And, uh, you know, I love, I love driving through people's neighborhoods and instead of seeing gross Halloween decorations and stuff and all that kind of nonsense that you, you have to put up with in October, now we see trees and lights and, and, and it just looks happy and joyful. Amen? And I love that. I love that. It's a good time for me. Um, you know, but when it came to preaching about this, I kind of struggled a bit talking about this, not because the Bible doesn't have much to say about joy. There's all kinds of biblical material to work with. Um, my struggle is because sometimes when I'm communicating about joy and, the, and the, how important it is, it's hard to communicate it without sounding like I'm condemning people for not being joyful. And that just seems weird to me. And, you know, and I, and I don't want to come across that way. So, so bear with me. That's why it's a little tough sometimes. And, uh, you know, the truth is I've discovered as I've ministered and pastored over the years that, you know, joy, which ought to be, like the default setting on a Christian is often missing. And I've, I have met some Christians that are downright miserable. And, and you ought not to be like that. Amen? Isn't that right, Barry? You ought not to be like that, you know? Um, I, I'm willing to invest in anybody, but, but my friends who I invest a lot of time in, they all have to be joyful people. I don't have bah humbug friends or Eeyore friends, you know? You guys ever you familiar with who Eeyore is, right? Okay. Well, you know, it's just been a difficult day. But every day is like that for Eeyore. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm willing to, to, to invest in anybody, but, you know, to, a friendship's got to be two-way. You got to have some life there. And, and all my friends are people of joy. I'm, I don't apologize for it. It's true. There, there are people that are are people who look at the cup and it's always half full, not half empty. Do you know what I mean? 
That's the kind of people I like to be around. And I got news for you. That is the kind of people that the world wants to be around, whether they know it or not. And that's the kind of people that they think are supposed to be in the church. And when they're not, they're hugely disappointed because that's who we should be. It should be, joy should be our hallmark. It should be our calling card. It should be the thing that people are confronted with when they meet us. They should be confronted with a joyful person. And uh, they should be so, see somebody who's not distracted by all of life's worries and all of the, the difficulties that are going on. They should see somebody who lives in this inexpressible joy all the time. They should see that. And, and I think this year, 2021, everybody say 2021, 2021. It's been particularly evident this year that there's a bit of a lack of joy. I'm just going to be honest, Okay. Some people are having difficulty, some Christians having a difficulty with joy in the middle of the pandemic still. In the beginning, you know, you go back to, I know this is a long time ago, but think back all the way to March of 2020. You guys remember that? And when this thing first came, I mean, Christians were amazing. I, I, I remember all the pizza they were buying for first responders and they were doing this for that person and this for that person and helping this person. And Christians seemed like they were everywhere. Do you guys remember that? And, and, and we were... We, we, we were like just the people who were, it's all right, we can do this. We're going to make it through, right? Hold your hat, folks. We're all right. We're, we're going to make it. But you know, as time's marched on and there's been no immediate relief in sight, I have noticed that as the government measures have not lifted and they've stayed in place and all that kind of stuff, it's become, and as life has become more polarized, can I use that word? that I've noticed Christians having a harder time finding their joy. How many know what I'm talking about? Isn't that true? Instead of seeing a people filled with joy, the world now sees a people, when they see Christians, just as stressed out as they are, just as angry, just as critical, just as depressed, just as offended by others as they are. And that should not be the case. All right? Shouldn't be the case. Christmas gives us an antidote. It presents us with an antidote to the joylessness that we get sucked into with all of the stuff that's going on in the world. And the antidote is giving. It's giving. I'm here today to tell you, you can give your way out of this. If you're sitting here struggling and you're saying, man, it just seems like every day they just keep moving the goalposts, I understand Every day, it's another thing. Every day, it's another, you know, my, somebody's mad at somebody and families are divided and all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you this morning, the antidote is the joy of giving and you can give your way out of this thing. Because, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna help you out with that. You're gonna say, okay, well, why is that, pastor? Well, I'm gonna help you out with that. I'm gonna show you why. And uh, we're gonna go, hmm, that's incredible. I didn't know that. But it is, I believe, the answer. Amen? Amen. So why giving? Why is giving the antidote? Well, God blesses us financially in order that we may be a blessing. And that's uh, one of the cornerstones of the kingdom is to be activated to be a blessing. That's who you are. And when we sit on that blessing instead of spreading that blessing, it's kind of the same way as water. Water is the most life-giving force on earth after oxygen, right? You can't live without oxygen one. I mean, you're, most people are limited to a minute or two without oxygen. Uh, but water's next, right? 
food, you can go 30, 40 days without food. But, but water, I mean, three or four days and you're toast, right? So it's one of the most life-giving forces in the world. But when you take water and you dam water up and you don't allow it to keep moving, what happens to it? It gets stagnant. It gets filled with poisons and toxins. It ceases to be life-giving. And it's the same thing with, with the blessing of God. When you receive the blessing of God and you dam it up in your life and you don't spread it, then it stagnates in you and it becomes toxic. It becomes toxic. And God says, no, no, I've, I've blessed you so you can be a blessing. Amen? So that you can be a blessing. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 you read this, it says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, this is Paul writing, by the way, that he said, it is more blessed to give than to, right. So now a lot of people don't realize that statement's right out of the Bible. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And Paul attributes that statement to Jesus. Now it's interesting, if you look through the gospels, it's nowhere recorded that Jesus actually said that. The only place you'll find that in the Bible is in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, when Paul says and attributes it to Jesus. But, you know, in John chapter 21, verse 25, John says, of all the things that Jesus did and said were written down, he said there wouldn't be enough books to contain them. So, in other words, there's lots of stuff that Jesus said and did that isn't recorded in the Bible. Because, I mean, let's face it, uh, they weren't following him around, you know, 24-7, writing down everything he said and everything that he did, right? So... You know, here we have Paul saying and reminding us that this is something that Jesus said. So if Paul, under inspiration of Holy Spirit, you know, brought that out, then you can be sure it is something that Jesus did say and Jesus did teach, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I say that all because somebody will always come up to you and say, well, Jesus didn't say that. Well, Paul says Jesus said it. And if Paul says Jesus said it, that works for me. Does that work for you? It works for me. So anyway, I say all that to say, it is more blessed to give than to receive is a kingdom principle, right? That therefore, if Jesus said it, if Paul felt it necessary to reiterate it, then it's a kingdom principle that we can, I believe, bank on, that we can count on. Now, I say that to say that this kingdom principle, science is finally figuring out that it's right. I told you this a couple years ago about forgiveness that science has finally caught up and realized how powerful forgiveness is, well, now science has figured out that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Isn't that incredible? You know, in two studies that were done in 2018, 2019, psychology researchers, Ed O'Brien from the University of Chicago uh, Booth School, right, and, of business, and Samantha Kazarier, I think that's how you pronounce her last name, uh, Northwestern University Kellogg School of Management. They did a study. And they said, and, and, and the interesting things that they find in this study are, are, are going to be something that we latch on to here this morning. First of all, they noted that uh, the happiness that we feel after a particular event or activity diminishes every time we experience the event. All right, so think about that. If, uh, for, for example, you know, uh, for Tom Brady, after his, you know, his seventh Super Bowl was probably not as exciting as his first. You know what I mean? although winning the Super Bowl is still amazing. Uh, but it diminishes. When you have something that happens over and over again, the, the satisfaction or the pleasure that you derive from that, it gets weak over time. And they actually have a term for that. It's called hedonic adaption. 
or hedonistic adaption because it, it's about how it feels to me. And we adapt to it, we, we adjust to it, and it doesn't feel the same. But here's what they've noted. Giving may be the exception to the rule of hedonic adaption. In these studies, they found that participants' happiness did not decline or it declined very much slower if they repeatedly bestowed gifts on others versus repeatedly receiving those same gifts themselves. Hmm. 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 If you, this is what they concluded. If you want to sustain happiness over time, past research tells us that we need to take a break from what we're currently consuming and experience something new because of hedonistic adaption, right? But our research reveals that the, the kind of thing experienced, what it is that we're doing, uh, is what matters the most. Repeated giving, even in identical ways to identical people, may continue to feel relatively fresh and relatively pleasurable the more that we do it. Scientists are figuring this out. Scientists, that it's, it's more that we do it. In other words, in other words, what they're saying is the joy and blessing of giving doesn't wear out. Are you catching that? The, the scientists are finally agreeing. We've known it for years because it's in the Bible, right? So we know it. You know, uh, it's not like God's surprised by this. He's the one that said it, right? But they're finally going, wait a minute, maybe these Christians are onto something. That, that giving is something that stays invigorating. And while the joy from uh, uh, receiving, they found, wears off over time, the joy from giving does not. Isn't that something? Wow. Scientists finally figuring out, that the, again, that the Bible's right. And that's why, indeed, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You are in a state of higher uh, sense of value and blessedness and hope when you're giving than when you're receiving. That is what they discovered. And, you know, and the fact that that's true, it amazes me that churches are often reluctant to talk about giving. I mean, even science is telling us that the best thing you can do is stand up and tell your congregation about giving. That's what, that's what, that's what you need to do. If you want to help them, don't be talking about receiving all the time, you know, 52 weeks of the year about you getting a blessing. Come on, get your blessing. No, no, you got to get up there and say, listen, give. That's how you're going to unleash the greatest wellspring of hope and vitality in your life is by giving. And you're going to be blessed through that experience. Hallelujah. And the scriptures, they don't shy away from talking about giving. In fact, the gospel story is one great big give. The father gave his son, right? And the son gave his life. Amen? For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. That's why the phrase is that we're never more like Jesus than when we give, right? Winston Churchill put it this way. He said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. So in other words, you know, you can survive on, on, on what you get, but what you actually do is build another life by what you give, by what you actually give. That's how powerful giving is. And so we're going to talk one final little point about giving this morning. And then at the end, I'm going to bring up two people just to share with you as we're going to launch into uh, 2022, which is going to be a year of, it, of, of just exceptional life-giving giving. Yeah. It's going to be an exceptional year of life-giving giving. So when, whenever we talk about giving, I have people ask me invariably this question. Well, how much should I give? Right? 
How much? How much, pastor? You know, especially the business types. Just tell me how much. How much? How much, pastor? And uh, I got to admit that beyond what the Bible says about tithing, which is really the only place where he attaches a numerical amount to it. It's, and if those of you are sitting here, what in the world's tithing? Uh, tithing is the practice of giving 10%. The word tithe comes from 10, of giving 10% of your income uh, over to, to the Lord, right? So other than that number, there really isn't anything in the Bible where it says too much about amounts or how much we should give. I mean, I've discovered some really cool things in, in my life in, in uh, you know, uh, just other ways of giving, if you will. First fruits giving, for example, alms giving, and, and, and seeing those things released through my life has been powerful. So we are able to engage in that beyond our tithes, and we, we love giving. It's one of those things that, but, but it doesn't, again, there's no amount of how much attached to that. It's difficult to find that in Scripture. And uh, part of the reason I think it's so tricky is because it varies with every person just like the tithe does. So even though the amount, the, the percentage is set down in scripture of the tithe, the different, it varies for every person because every person's income is different, right? So therefore the amount that that person would give is gonna be different. You follow what I'm saying? And it's kind of, in that sense, a lot like paying taxes, right? There's different tax thresholds and all the rest. And everybody's tax submission is different because everybody's revenue is different. And that's part of what makes it very difficult, very tricky to talk about how much. Uh, You know, and some people would say, well, you know, how much? Well, the answer to that question is none of your business, how much? I've had people say that to me, Pastor. None of your business, that's how much. Oh, and that's, you know, not a non-legitimate answer because you're probably right. It isn't necessarily anybody else's business. It is between you and the Lord, all right? However, I did find, and I have found, that Paul has something to say about how much in Scripture, interestingly enough, when it comes to giving, not just your tithing, but to giving, right? And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I want you to listen to what Paul says about how much. He has a lot to say about a lot of things about giving here, but this is important. Listen to what he says. Verse 1 of chapter 8, he says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So he's writing to Corinth, and he's talking about another group of churches. He goes, Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to also bring to completion this act of grace on our part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Continues in verse 8. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. So after talking about the Macedonian church and about their own giving, he says, I'm not 
I'm not commanding you here, but I want to test you by comparing you to the Macedonians, right? That's basically what he's saying, right? Uh, For you know the grace of the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one, what he does not have. And then I want to skip down a little further now into chapter 9 and verse 6. And this is what Paul says as he's kind of wrapping up this discussion. But this I say to you, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. May God add his blessing to his word today. Amen. So let me summarize these points for you. Paul's telling the church in Corinthians, Uh, in Corinth, I should say, about the great faith of the church in Macedonia. He says that they gave as much as they were able and beyond their ability, that they pleaded with the leadership for the privilege to share in the service of giving. I've not had people say to me, Pastor, please let me give very often. I have had it a few times. I've actually had people say to me, Pastor, you forgot the offering today and I wanted to give. You know, we have black boxes at the back. Don't ever let that stop you. They're there and you can, and you can avail yourself of those. But the, they pleaded with the chance to share in this ministry. And then Paul strength, uh, instructs the Corinthians and he says, as you excel in everything, see that you also excel in giving. In other words, as you're excellent in every other aspect of your life, be excellent in giving. Be excellent in giving. Then Paul goes on in the next few verses. Uh, pages are sticking together here. And he tells them that he's not commanding them, but he wants to test the sincerity of their love by comparing them to, to others. And the others he's referring to is this, the Macedonian churches he just referred to. And then he said, here was his advice. Last year, you were the first to give and have the desire to give. Now complete the work. So I think that's an important statement because I, a lot of times I have people make pledges and then you know, a year later, you have to call them up and ask them about their pledge, right? And that's an uncomfortable thing for a pastor to have to phone somebody up or whether it's myself or, uh, you know, a board member or somebody and say, you know, you made a pledge. What's going on? How, are you able to make that? You don't, you don't like to do that. But then again, on the other hand, a pledge is a pledge, right? Right? So when you make a pledge, I don't make pledges lightly. When I make a pledge, I, I, I keep my pledge, right? So it's, it's always challenging. Sometimes people forget, so you just call them up to remind them or whatever. But it's, it's, it's not fun to have to do that. So Paul is basically saying the same thing here. He's saying, if, if you made a pledge, now, now be faithful to finish it, complete it. And uh, then finally in chapter nine, he said, you reap what you sow, give what's in your heart, not grudgingly or legalistically, is basically what he's saying. Don't do it because it's a law or some kind of a legalistic hold over you, but do it cheerfully. And then he says, and God will make his grace abound to you so that you will have sufficiency on all things that you may have an abundance for every good work. So in other words, 
there is a provisional blessing attached to this that you will have as you're faithful all that you need to be able to do everything that God wants you to do, all right? Now, this is a lot, but my friend C.S. Lewis is here to help us out, all right? I know you guys find that hard to believe, but there is no topic that he doesn't, he seems shy to, you know, go for, and so he talks about this one as well. Listen to what he has to say. He says, I do not believe I can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than you can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we're probably giving too little. So in other words, if you spend in vacation and everything else exactly the same as every other person that makes 100,000 and you make 100,000, you're probably not giving enough. What's his point? Not saying you shouldn't take vacations. He's just saying that if you're able to do it at the same pace as, as, as all your, your uh, non-believing friends, you're probably not giving enough, all right? That's what he says. Okay, uh, where was I? Let me continue here. Um, yeah, he said, if our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say that they are too small. Now, Lewis went on further to clarify that he wasn't advocating a poverty spirit. He wasn't saying, if I give, I'll not have enough mentality. He wasn't advocating that. On the contrary, this is what he continues and he says, for many of us, the great obstacle to charity or to giving lies not in our luxurious living or our desire for more money, but in our fear, our fear of insecurity. Hmm. He said, we're afraid, this, this is what, I, what he was, in my opinion, what he was saying. He's saying if, that we are afraid that if we give more than we can spare, then we'll not have enough, right? And we falsely believe that there is a limit on the resources of God when there's not. God, God's kingdom is not a fixed pie. It's an ever-expanding kingdom, right? And, and so we tend to think that if I give something to somebody else, then it means that I have to suffer lack and then they get the blessing because it's been reapportioned, redistributed. That is not how the kingdom works. When we give until it hurts today, it opens up the heavens for blessing tomorrow. That's simply what it does. And not only does it change our heart and our disposition because we've become givers rather than just takers, it also does not negatively or in the long term diminish us because God has promised that he will provide for us. That if we give, that it will come back to us, pressed down, shaken together, running over. He said he will pour it into our lap. And I realize in context that verse is about forgiveness, but I believe that it applies to just about everything. Amen? So here's the scoop today. How much should we give? Well, I believe we should give generously. My wife and I try to make our life one of giving generously. And sure, we tithe, but we give beyond our tithe. We try to find places to sow and to invest and to give because giving is not only a good for the person we're giving to, it's good for us. It's good for us. It changes who we are. And it changes my disposition toward the things of this world. I realize and I hold them much more lightly when I'm a giver than I do when I'm not a giver. Does everybody follow me this morning? I have felt for some time, and I've talked to Barry about this, and he and I were, were conferring about this this week, that I think 
that starting this month, we're coming into a season of unprecedented harvest. I believe that God is, is about to set us up. And I don't mean just uh, the harvest of finances, but I mean harvest of souls, harvest of, of grace, of so many areas that God is going to pour out his blessing upon his people. But when God pours it on, out, I should say, it's not so that we can bunker down. It's so that we can expand, so that we can grow the kingdom of God. It's never about bunkering down. So let me talk to you a little bit about something we've done here in the church since 2018 that is about excelling in giving. All right, I want to talk to you about that this morning in close. And I got a couple brief uh, stories that are going to help reinforce this. And uh, we, we've been doing something since 2018 called Kingdom Builders. And uh, Barry's going to hand out something here for you in a moment. He's got some, you got a couple volunteers to help you, Barry? Okay. And uh, yeah, you can handle it now. We, we began in 2018 a campaign called Kingdom Builders. And it was about building the kingdom of, of God and building the kingdom of God uh, on three lines. Can I have one of those as well, Barry, by the way? Hand one of those up to me, please. Yeah, thanks. And, and it's about, for us, Kingdom Builders is about exceptional giving. It's about stepping outside the norm and advancing God's kingdom through the spirit of generosity. And we've broken it down over the years to three areas where we talk about giving. Giving where you live, uh, giving where you go, and giving where you grow. All right? So give where you live is simple. It's about giving back to our community. It's about investing in local uh, organizations, local ministries, uh, local people. Uh, it's about giving where we live, right? Giving where you go is about missions, about overseas work. It's about giving where we go. And the reason we say give where we go is because we like to give to people that we actually work with and visit. We're not, we're not really into just sending money places without actually going and having a relationship with the people that we're giving to. So we see how the money is used. We get the joy of celebrating in its implementation. We get to share in the blessing when we go. And we also get to take people from our church and have them have the experience of going to developing portions of the world and actually as they go, having their life changed. All right. And then finally, we have a portion where we call give where you grow. This is where you grow your house right here, desert stream. And so when you give to where you grow, it means you're giving to your house so that we can do things that, that, you know, we are not able to give, do with just the regular day-to-day -day giving that pays all the bills, keeps the hydro on, does all the different things that we do. So it's about giving where you live, give where you go and give where you grow. And this is a, a brochure. We put one of these together every year that we're doing this and, it, and outline some of the projects we're going to take on for 2022 some of the principles behind it. And I don't want you to get distracted by reading everything that's in here. There's a lot of stuff in here. That's why we didn't hand it out at the beginning of the service because y'all wouldn't be listening to me preach. You'd be sitting there reading through the thing, right? So, all right, it's for you to take home and read uh, when you get home, okay? But um, what I want to do is, is give you some, just a little bit of update. In 2018, I believe we raised somewhere around the, the neighborhood of uh, $80,000 uh, in that year for Kingdom Builders. And we disperse it to different projects, missions, and things like that. Uh, then in 2019, we had our, our, our banner year. And uh, we had a goal that year, I think it was 128,000. And, and I believe we brought in over $100,000 of that goal. And it was a lofty goal. We were able to uh, purchase a tractor 
uh, for the Baileys over in the Philippines with all the attachments. And we were the, the lion's share of the money that came in for that. We were able to raise another $19,000, I think it was, for the Baileys to put the roof on the orphanage uh, over there. We were uh, able to raise money for all kinds of other things that year in in 2019. Then 2020, we also had made pledges. And I think that year our goal was, was a little lower. We'd set our goal back down around uh, $90,000. And it had, believe it or not, in 2020, our Kingdom Builders campaign was to actually buy all the equipment. One of it was to buy all the equipment for live streaming. This is pre-COVID. Had no idea that this was coming, right? But we had, we had put that money in, $20,000 in the budget for that, uh, different things for lighting. And I'm happy to say that not only in 2020, did we have the money come in to be able to do that? And we actually found ourselves one week having regular church the next week going, oh my goodness, we have to do this now. And, uh, and we didn't have all the money in yet at that point. But over the course of 2020, we had the money come in for that, uh, for the cameras and equipment to be able to redo the stage, the lighting, all of it came in in 2020, as well as in 2020, over $100,000 went out for missions out of this church as well. Amen. And it's exciting to, to, to know that. Now, I gotta be honest with you, 2021 though, with COVID, we didn't do a, a Kingdom Builders campaign. It just, just trying to keep treading water and keep your head above water and you don't have everybody together to try and talk about a, a campaign. This time last year at Christmas, we were down, we were limited to 30% capacity and then they locked it down on Christmas day. Do you remember that? And so we usually communicate this and do a dessert night or something and then uh, let people know what we're looking at and targeting in the next year and we were not able to do that last uh, year. So 2021 was uh, not a year in which we got it done, but we don't want that to be the, the same for 2022. So this year we are launching into uh, a very different campaign in that usually our emphasis is giving where you live and giving where you go. And there is some of that in here for sure. But this year, our emphasis is gonna be on giving where you grow, on finishing things in this house, because as we open wide up, we want to be in the best shape possible to receive our guests and our community into our house. And uh, so there's a few significant things that we're gonna do that you're gonna find in here uh, that uh, will be happening this year. And, and the first one is that we're, part of our campaign this year is to eliminate our mortgage. Someone say amen. 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 Hallelujah. So here's the thing, we, we have worked our mortgage down and we, uh, at the end of this year, will be just under $100,000 that we owe in the mortgage. Our regular mortgage payments will reduce that by a further about 40,000 this year. But we need to, as part of Kingdom Builders, raise another 60,000 to eliminate it next year. If we eliminate that, that's 40 grand every year that's not in our budget going to mortgage. And, and I can tell you that the only money we owe is our mortgage. Everything else that we've done is paid for. We've we paid for every renovation, everything that we've done as we go. Amen. So uh, that's why some of these things have taken some time because we don't go out and borrow money to get them done. We, uh, we do them slowly as we go along. But there's a few things we've needed to do here in the church, and most of it's in here. This has been the last area we've tackled. Uh, and uh, we've did the kitchen, the nursery's all redone. We just laid new flooring this week because of water damage in the kids' uh, children's wing down there, and that'll be finished up this week. We're getting the, all these things completed, but we want to finish in here. The uh, flooring is 40-some years old that's in, in here. We want to get that finished this year, fix all and repair all of the uh, concrete crumble on the outside edge. We also want to paint the ceiling a dark charcoal and then direct all the lighting down instead of reflecting up. 
So it'll make the ceiling disappear and the lighting will point down. So that's the two things we need to do in here and then this room will be done, right? It'll be fantastic, it'll be finished. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready to see that tile go in Jesus' name. And uh, so we're, we're ready to get rid of that and to fix it all up and finish that all off. And then this will be done. The, only, the other thing is the kids' unit. We raised the money actually in uh, 20, what was it, 2020 or 2019 to, to do the kids' unit. But instead, we asked the donor if they minded if we use it to finish off all this up here because we were only live streaming at the time and there was no kids' ministry. And they said, sure, but we wanted to come back at it and, and do it this year. And, uh, and so we're going to do that as part of our target as well. Uh, the give where we, we live, we, we really wanted to bless broken walls. And Jonathan's here this morning. John, good to see you, my man. And uh, we've, don't get me wrong, we partner with broken walls every year since they began. They're in our budget every year. There's finances going to them every year, but we want to do something beyond that as a gift this year. We want to bless them, and uh, we've ta- I've talked with Gabe Ver from Floating Point. We want to partner with them to be able to redo their entire online web presence and all the rest of it and get that done for them so that it is state-of-the-art and it's top-notch. Amen? And uh, so we want to do that this year, and that's something we're going to do there. And, uh, and we're still going to do some mission stuff here. We're going to tackle uh, the Baileys have got the orphanage completed now what they, they, and the school done, but they don't have any school furniture. They don't have chairs, desks, that kind of thing. And so they need about $10,000 Canadian to be able to complete that. And that is in Kingdom Builders for us this year as well. And so in the Philippines, yeah. Yeah, what, what did I say? Oh yeah, it's in, it's in the Philippines. So those things are in there. You can read about all, uh, all that. I'll put all the actual final numbers up for you in the next week and we'll put together pledge cards and we begin this campaign for 2022. We're excited because we have a, a pretty great team working on that this year. And I'm gonna have a couple of them come forward right now. I'm gonna have uh, Kristen O'Coin and I'm gonna have Charmaine who's helping us out. She's not on the committee per se, but uh, I'm gonna have them come up and close out the service this morning. And uh, with me, where's the mic? Can I get the handheld there, Bear? And uh, one of the camp things we're doing this year, as I said, is the, the, the kids' unit. And uh, I'm going to let Kristen talk about that and, uh, and for just a couple minutes. And then, don't worry, Charmaine, you can have, have a seat in a nice, lovely chair. There she goes. All right, she can relax. She's got a little Christmas setting around her. It's perfect. And so I'm going to have Kristen share about that. And then I'm going to have Charmaine come on up and talk about our investment in the Philippines. I am Good morning. <laughs> I am so excited to be on this committee. Um, maybe to you the mortgage is boring, but to me it's not. I'm so excited about this. And I want to tell you just a really quick story. About 10 years ago, we ran something called Supernatural Sunday. And it was my first time being on a committee at the church. I didn't have kids. We were newly married. And this church came together and raised about $50,000 in one Sunday. And what I saw that day changed how I give and how I think about it. And I asked Lyndon if it was okay if I shared this story, but I watched Lyndon and Betty Ann Smith 
and their family participate as a family in this Giving Sunday. Their sons, they have three sons, and they were like young teenagers at the time, and they saved their own money and brought it up and gave it that Sunday together as a family. And I looked at them and I thought, that's how I want to do it. I want to raise my family and operate in the kingdom together. And so this time with Kingdom Builders, we are bringing in the kids. Sorry, I'm shaking. I have not been up here in a really long time. <laughs> oh, it's been, I used to do this more. Anyway, um, I'm just, I'm really excited too, but I want my kids to do that. I want to participate in the kingdom with my kids. I want them to learn to operate in the spirit of generosity now when they're young, because if their hearts are unlocked to that now, to operating in the kingdom, to being about the father's business, then it, they're never going to go back because that's how, what, that's all they're going to know. And what's exciting this year is that the kids unit is included. And so not only are we going to operate in the kingdom together as a family, but they're going to reap the rewards, um, right down in their room. We have exciting things planned. I don't think I'm going to go into the details, but it's going to be awesome. And they're going to reap the rewards. And so through the year, you're going to find out we're going to come together as families in the church and we're going to give together and we're going to help the kids use their gifts and their own money, their talents to give to the kingdom of God. And we're going to see them rise up as a new generation of Desert Stream. So, amen. 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 Yeah. Yeah. In there, you'll find uh, uh, that there is um, a whole thing in there where we talk about a couple of the things that they're going to do in the kids unit, which is very exciting. But not all the details are there by any means, but some of it's there. And uh, we just want the kids to be as excited about what we're doing here in the house uh, as we are. You know, uh, one of the things that we've done and invested a lot of money in is, is partnering with great people overseas. And one of our favorite partners is the Baileys. Uh, Mike and Jeanette Bailey are an amazing family. Uh, and uh, their oldest, Nathan, is over in the United States in university right now. It has been since COVID began, and mom and dad are not able to see him because they're not able to leave the Philippines and get back in. If they leave, they're not allowed back in right now, so they have to stay, and they've been there since the pandemic began and have not been able to leave, but um, we do have people here that have been on the island of Small working with the Baileys and have experienced what they're doing firsthand. And I could tell you all about that, but I thought it'd be better if Charmaine told you about her experience. She went for her first time on a victory vacation in 2020 uh, and then was a part of us, our team that went there just before the lockdown. And so I've asked her to just share a little bit about what she saw happening and how she saw the investment we've made and how it impacted those lives. Good morning, everybody. Um, I've always had a desire in my heart to go on missions. Um, I feel like I give to missions here all the time and the passion that I have for some people. But when Kevin brought it forward that we were doing a missions to the, to the Philippines, it really just spoke to my heart. And, um, and I, I jumped at the opportunity to go. And I'm really glad that I did. Um, meeting Mike and Jeanette Bailey, uh, the founders of Hope for All Children and Small Island, um, was an absolute honor one minute in their presence, and you can feel the passion that they have for the Lord. They, um, they are faithful to the Lord, not only raising their own children, but the children of that nation. And you can feel it in their hearts. 
Um, the Hope for All Children Orphanage property is exceptional. This isn't just a place for people or children to go to be and to be raised. These are kids that are being given opportunities to rise up and above and beyond any of the expectations of the world. It's absolutely amazing. Um, the homes are built with such love and such beauty. They're a place for children and the aunties who are the ladies that take care of them where these kids are thriving and right to their fullest potential. You can see in the aunties and in the children that they are loved, safe to grow, and to become all they are meant to be. The love for the Lord shown through the actions of people helps others to feel loved, safe, and free. That is their passion and that is their mission and you can see it every day. I was blessed to get to know all the aunties and all the children's I think my favorite place was to be playing out in the rain with the kids that one day up on the hill. That was an absolute hoot. Uh, we also had the opportunity to meet Tony and Christy Ginrich and their kiddos as well, who are on leadership with, with uh, Mike and Jeanette. I, uh, I might have even taught their children how to play... Um, a little bit of candy wars, so they learned the, the term war or the term um, to need ammo was meant to like have a candy fight. I actually taught them how to candy fight in the back of a pickup truck, so that was my experience with the Ginrich kids. And that's the, that's the joy in those kids, and that's the joy in the families that you see there. They're real. They're every day. They're living this life, like you were just saying, about not just living it for themselves and for that nation, but with their kids and raising their kids to love that and have that same passion. Mm-hmm. Um, on this small property, uh, we were able to help with the buildings like you were just talking about. And their kids are in there too. The kids are active. Like we keep saying is those kids are active as well. Um, the one thing that I really noticed with the, with the kids and, and the aunties and everyone there, we do this thing. And I'm going to just teach you guys a little something. We do this thing where we do the heart, right? And it's our whole heart. Those kids have such a passion, and they taught me something that I hadn't seen before. They love from the bottom of their hearts, so they do this. This shows the bottom of their heart, and that's the passion that they live with. And I have tons of pictures of that. And it changed, the biggest part that changed my heart is seeing the young girls out of Hope House, which is, a, is another property that provides support for the young girls who have been um, victim in, in trafficking or human slavery, and to see those girls still coming out like this. And that's the Lord. That's his presence in the people who are serving there, whether it's Mike or whether it's Jeanette or whether it's... Um, Tony and his wife, or Kenny, who I finally, his actual name is Kevin. He calls me Shazam. I call him Kenny. It just kind of worked, <laughs> right? So it's just, it changed my heart and it changed my life. And I, I am determined to do more, more missions in the future. I'll continue to do my missions here that God teaches me to do and I'm learning. And I will continue to want to go overseas but actively work at missions here. And I hope to go back when we go back in 2023. Yeah. Amen. So thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. <clears throat> Amen. 
So take this home, look it over. Next week, when you come in here, we will uh, start distributing what we call pledge cards so we can figure out uh, where we're going to go. But I want you to pray about what you're to do. Um, I've done my best this morning to communicate that I believe that we can all do more than we think we can and uh, that God would have us do something exceptional so that we uh, can meet the goals this year. And we've prayed about this. We, we thought about doing a campaign to eliminate the mortgage for many years, but we believe it's, 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 it's the time and, uh, and it is the season. And, um, you know, we are so excited because when that's gone, uh, that's more that we have to be able to do more for the kingdom every single year. And uh, why should we give the bank any more interest than we are presently giving them? How many know what I'm talking about? So when we can get rid of that and pay it in one year, uh, then at this time next year, we're going to be burning that th- you know, mortgage thing and dropping that money off at the bank. Actually, we can't actually go in and drop it off until it's renewal in February 2023. But we'll have the money to just drop the whole thing off and it's gone. And won't that be an exciting day? Amen? And uh, we're really thrilled with all the different projects and stuff that are going on. But we're excited that this is just another opportunity for us to give beyond what we might think we're able to do. And guess what? Every time my wife and I have responded to this and done bigger, we've gotten bigger. Our finances have gotten bigger. God has blessed us and has always provided more. And we're like, it's possible we've concluded to outgive God. How many know that's true? You cannot do it. It's not possible. Let's stand together this morning. And uh, we're a little later than usual, but that's okay. I think this has really helped us capture the spirit of what we're going to do. And uh, we're excited that the joy of giving is a thing that it is the antidote for all the negativity that's trying to bring it down this year. It is the joy of giving. Amen. And we're excited about that. Father, we just thank you for the many blessings today that you have already poured out upon us. We sit here today in Belleville, Ontario, Canada, one of the greatest places on earth uh, to live. And Father, we are blessed to be here. We know that we're blessed. And Father, from that place of blessing, we want to release blessing to the world. Father, we thank you that, God, you've given us an opportunity to start with our own house, our own community, and then to extend to the four corners of the earth. And Lord, we thank you that, God, every time we ventured, Lord, you have been faithful. Father, we give you praise today, and we honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have an amazing week. We'll see you here next Sunday as we celebrate the joy of the Lord together.